Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, as Dale said, my name is Jessica. I'm the director of kids ministry here, and it's just an honor to be here in big church on the big stage. So thank you. Thank you. Um, It is an all-in weekend, as Pastor Dale mentioned earlier. So what that means is that a couple times a year, we invite our elementary kids to come into big church and worship together as a family. So if you're an elementary kid in here, say hey. Oh my God, you guys are so much louder in Kids of Hope. Wow. Well, we are just so glad to have everyone here. It has been such a fun month just learning the same things, starting with our two-year-olds and our preschoolers up through our students and our grown-ups. It's been fun to just have that chance to be studying the same scripture and be able to talk about that as a family. So this weekend, we are finishing out that service. We're on week four of Promised Land. So you all have had four weeks to practice a memory verse. Okay, so kids, we've been learning a memory verse too. We've been doing the same one as the adults. So 2 Peter 1, 4. With our kids, we use um, a translation of the Bible called NIRV. So it's a little bit simpler to memorize. And we did the first half of that verse. So kids, ready? Eyeballs here. We're going to read the verse. Parents, if you want to help, we might need a little volume because apparently we're quiet in here. So let's look at the kids version of 2 Peter 1, 4. And let's read that together. It says, he has also given us his very great and valuable promises. He did it so you could share in his nature. Very good. All right. So adults, let's say our version as well. So 2 Peter 1, 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. All right, pretty good, pretty good. Um, I love in both those verses that we see that through the promises God gives us, that that just allows us to participate in his nature. That's such a gift. So before we jump into today, let's review where we've been throughout the month. Okay, so um, week one, we met Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been taken as exiles into the kingdom of Babylon, and they were drafted into a service for the king. There was kind of this group of men who were all selected to be uh, the elite kingsmen group. And while they were there, um, they were given special food from the king. And Daniel and his friends, they were not permitted to eat this food because um, of their laws and because that food often had been sacrificed to idols or other gods. So they asked for permission to not eat the king's food, which would have been delicious and rich and nutritious and all these things. And instead they said, we're only going to eat vegetables and water. They were given permission, but the commander said, only if you still look just as good and healthy as these other guys. So of course we know that they ate only vegetables and water and the king approved of them and they even continued to rise to the top of the group they were with. So in the Kids of Hope, we talked about that this shows us that God promises to take care of us. And here in this room, we said that God blesses and uses our obedience. So then in week two, we saw King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was having crazy dreams. Okay, He wanted the wise men and the sorcerers in his kingdom to tell him what the dreams meant. 
But not only to interpret the dream, he wanted them first to tell him what the dream was that he had had and then tell him what it meant. Of course, no one in his wise men and sorcerers could do that. But Daniel heard of the promise, he or of the challenge. He went home, asked his friends to pray with him that God would reveal the dream and its meaning. And we know that God did, that Daniel was able to go back to King Nebuchadnezzar, tell him what he had dreamt and what it meant. So we talked about in Kids of Hope that God promises to use you. And we taught even in our two-year-olds and our preschoolers that God will use you in your life. And here in this room, we said that God reveals things to those who seek him. So then last week, I think this was our favorite in Kids of Hope. Um, We had Rakshak and Benny. Any VeggieTales fans? No? We had Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The king had built an enormous statue, and he commanded that anyone, when they heard this special music, would bow down and worship the statue. We know, of course, that Daniel's friends would not do this. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. The king knew that he had thrown three men in, and yet when he looked in, there were four walking around. So we know that Jesus had come in that moment to save them, and they came out of the furnace, not even smelling of smoke. So in both Kids of Hope and in this room here, we learn that God is always with us. So today we're in our last story of Daniel, Daniel 6, and we are in Daniel and the lion's den. How many people know this story? You've read it. Maybe you saw it on a flannel graph. Okay, I saw most hands up. Right, I thought that might be the case. And so we have a little quiz because y'all think you're experts. We'll see how good you are at the beginning. Okay, it's a two-question, kind of a pass or fail deal. All right, first question, how, and no phones, okay, no Googling. How old do you think Daniel was at this point of his life in Dan the Lion's Den? So turn and tell your neighbor. How old? Quick, first instinct. Okay, who says under 20? Okay, um, under 30, 30 to 50, 50 to 70, okay, 70 or older, okay, like four hands, and you are the only ones that are right. So Daniel, at this point, he is actually 80 or 85 years old, right? I know. Okay, so here's the second question, um, and The question is, how many lions do you picture with Daniel in the lion's den? Okay, quick instinct. Turn, tell your neighbor. Okay, how many said um, one, two, three, four, five, more than five? You guys are mean. Um, (laughs) So it doesn't say this exactly in scripture, but for some reason I always pictured three lions and I saw a lot of hands for three. But the truth is it was a lion's den. Like there were probably a ton of just mean, hungry lions in there. Okay, so we are going to catch up with where Daniel is now. As we said, he's 80 to 85 years old. He has risen through the ranks of the Babylonian government, and he has become one of the highest ranked government officials at this time. The king even says in this scripture today that he plans to set him over the whole kingdom. So he is just doing well, rising through the ranks. And of course, whenever that happens, we have a group of people around him who are very jealous and they want to see him fail. So they are searching for something that will just take Daniel down, and they can't find anything. They say that the only way they'll get to take Daniel down is if it's something related to his God. 
So they approached the king, and now we're under the third king that Daniel's serving under. So this is King Darius, and they go to the king, and they tell him, oh, king, you're so, you know, they do the whole butter up thing, and they convince him that he should write a law that for the next 30 days, no one in the kingdom is allowed to ask something or pray to another person or another god other than King Darius himself. So the king's like, oh, yes, this is a fantastic idea. And um, he signs the law and makes it so. And this is where we're going to pick up. So we are going to read Daniel 6, 10 through 16. Um, You can follow along your Bible with me. The verses will be on your screen, or they're also on your notes. So picking up at verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And we know what happens next, right? Daniel's thrown in the lion's den. The king spends a sleepless night just wondering what's happening to him. He rushes to the lion's den in the morning, and he finds this. Look, three lions, see? The king sees that Daniel, um, Daniel tells the king that his God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions, and he is lifted from the den with no harm whatsoever. So the title of this message today is Dare to be Brave, and we're looking at the promise that God wants to make us brave. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for being in this room before we even came in here. Thank you, Lord, um, for wanting to make us brave. God, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us today. May the words that come out of my mouth be yours and not mine, God. And just show us where you want to, us to step in to a deeper and braver faith. We love you, Lord. It's in your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so how many of you would say that you are a brave person? Okay, that's just sad. <laughs> but I'm with you because I am definitely not a brave person. Uh, like nothing spooky, nothing scary. I don't want anything to jump out at me. And I've always been this way. I have a distinct memory of being in third grade. Um, My teacher had done this whole unit on ancient Egypt. It was really interesting. And she was reading aloud to us from a chapter book at the end of each day. She wanted a book that went along with the ancient Egypt unit. And so she decided to choose this one. Yeah. 
Goosebumps, the curse of the mummy's tomb. His name was Neshi, and he came to life, and it just terrified me for the whole two weeks that we read it. And I'm sure my mom remembers this, that I would come to the top. We had a two-story house. I would come to my the banister where my room was, and I couldn't even go down the stairs. I would just stand at the banister and yell, Mom, because I wanted her to come get me, because Neshi might get me if I go down the stairs. So brave, um, not scared, that's not me. I think sometimes we think that being brave is about being daring and about just mustering up our courage for that one moment where we're going to face our fears. Um, Are there any Patriots fans here? Oh, that's like mixed emotions. All right. Well, there's a story kind of going around the internet over the past week of Tom Brady and his daughter. Okay. So Tom Brady and his daughter, they're on vacation with their family, and there's a video that's going around where he and his daughter, who's probably, I don't know, eight maybe, they're standing on the edge of a cliff. There's a waterfall. There's water below them, and they're going to jump off this cliff into the water below. So you'll see in the first picture, like she's ready, she's there with him, and then kind of in the second one, he jumps, and she just kind of gets pulled down behind him. So they're happy, they end up, they're fine, happy in the water. The internet has had a field day with this, like how much he's a bad dad, all this stuff. And I think just upset that he's going to hurt himself before they can win another Super Bowl. So So we have that. And in my own family, a couple weeks ago, um, we went on a vacation, and my oldest daughter, Charlie, she has been working on mastering the monkey bars, right? So she's been practicing this, and we all, while we're on vacation, we went to a playground, and the monkey bars there were like a little higher than usual. Um, and so Zach and I, we put on like our best parenting cheerleader faces, and we're like, you can do it. Face your fears. Don't be scared. You know, be brave, this whole thing. And then we said... Um, we'll never let you fall. And then we did this. Yeah, so (laughs) sometimes being brave leads to an ER trip. (laughs) But that's not the kind of bravery I want to talk about today. Because the bravery that Daniel had was bravery from God. And it was a bravery, I want us to think about bravery as a muscle that we need to develop so that God can use us for his glory. I think there are three things that we really need to think about with bravery. And the first thing we're going to talk about, and if you're going to take notes, you can go ahead and get that sheet out. Um, The first thing we need to do is we need to build our brave muscle. Okay, so Daniel didn't just become brave. Like he didn't walk to the edge of the lion's den and suddenly be like, I don't care what the lions do. Like he didn't just become brave at that moment. He became brave through a series of decisions and habits and things that grew throughout his life to lead him to that spot. I think sometimes it's tempting to kind of write Daniel off or other people that are brave like him, like Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. It's easy for us to say, but that's not me. I'm not Daniel. I'm not Mother Teresa. But they didn't start that way either. They start at the same place we're at, and whether you're 6 or you're 16 or you're 60, we all have work that we can do to build our brave muscle. Um, I have a verse that I've just been loving over the past couple of months. I kind of have it written in different places around, and it's 1 Chronicles 28.20, and it very simply says this. It's, this is um, David talking to his son Solomon, and he says, Be strong and courageous and do the work. 
I love that because God wants to make us brave, but he can't just snap our fi- his fingers or wave a magic wand and make it so. We have to do the work. So what did Daniel do? What was his work that he did to build his brave muscle? I see, first of all, that he lived a life of integrity. If we look a little earlier in Daniel chapter 6 to verses 3 and 4, we see a great example of this. In verse 3, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct at government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Man, that's challenging, right? Because he was working in a foreign government. So he would not have agreed with the laws they were passing or the policies that were being enacted necessarily. But he was still able to live his life in that space in a way that even people who were against him and searching for something could find nothing against him. So wherever it is that you work or however you spend your days, I think that's a challenge to us to just live a life of such integrity that no one can find something to hold against us. I also see um, that Daniel spent time in regular prayer. We see in verse 10, as we read earlier, that three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed. So he didn't just pray when he felt like it or when he wanted something or when he was worried or when he was happy. His prayer life wasn't dependent on his emotions or his needs. It was just a habit that he developed three times a day to stay connected to his God. And I think this is a big challenge to us because if we want to be brave and we want to do big things for God, we need to be spending that regular time in prayer, speaking, yes, but also doing a lot of listening to where God wants us to go and what he wants us to do. Um, in the second part of that verse 10, I notice another part here that we can underline. And it says here that he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And as I read this story and was kind of preparing for this, that little line just started to stick out to me because I was picturing. So Daniel has just heard that this law has been passed, that if he prays, if anyone prays, they'll be thrown in the lion's den. So what does he do? He goes home and prays. Okay, first of all, I might like not do that. But second of all, he goes home, his windows are opened. Like, couldn't you just close the windows and pray? (laughs) But he doesn't. He lives his faith so openly, and it's just been such a part of his life to be lived openly that he doesn't even think to close the windows. And I think this is a big challenge to us, and especially in our culture where we can be criticized or attacked or feel like people won't take us seriously because of our faith, maybe, that we need to live our faith openly. And kids, that can mean with your friends at school or on a sports team or at a camp or in your neighborhood, you can live your faith openly and we don't have to be scared of the consequences. And adults, parents, anyone who has an influence on the next generation, I see this especially as a huge challenge for us. We know um, that Often, kids who graduate high school, there's a large, large chunk of kids who graduate high school and unfortunately also graduate their faith. So we've said no, not here, not at Community of Hope. But there's been a lot of research about why are these kids leaving their faith? And also, what is it about the kids whose faith sticks? 
What can we do that made them keep their faith? And one of the most, the biggest um, factors in a child, a student sticking with their faith is this, faith conversations in families. And that doesn't mean the right answers about faith in families. It doesn't mean regular quiet devotion time every day in families. It's simply having those faith conversations and having an open space where you can talk about your faith, where kids and students can ask questions and share doubts, and you can do that too. Because if we live our faith openly with those windows open in front of our kids, then we're going to raise a next generation who doesn't graduate from their faith and sticks with it. So we are building our brave muscle. The next thing that we need to do is we need to exercise our brave muscle, right? There's no point in building something if we're not actually going to do something with it. So as we're exercising our brave muscle, I think one of the biggest things we need to do is to just simply do the next right thing. That can be a little tiny thing like walking across the street to say hi to a neighbor. It could be just a smile to a cashier and a how you doing. I love this quote from Annie F. Downs. She's a great author and podcaster, um, and she's written quite a few books about being brave. And one of them, Let's Be Brave, she says this. She says, I never felt brave. I never had a moment of extreme courage or belief that this was going to be the best decision I had ever made. I just did the next thing. So what was Daniel's next thing? He prayed. He went home and he prayed. And if we notice again in this verse 10, let's look at what he prayed. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Again, if I'm putting myself in that story, and I've heard the law has been passed, I know I'm headed to the lion's den, and I come, I might still pray, but I don't think I would just be giving thanks. I think I would be praying for the law to be repealed. I would be praying for, um, you know, God to make the stone so heavy that they can't push it away. I'd be praying for the men who came and were tattletailing on me to trip and fall into their own lion's den. (laughs) I would be praying for safety, right? I don't want to get thrown in that lion's den. But that's not what Daniel prayed. And I think in our culture that often we can just get really concerned about safety. And that includes myself. I think I say, be careful. It's my kids like 8,000 times a day. But being safe is not what Jesus or the disciples ever prayed for. If we look in Acts 4 at the early church, we see just an awesome example of this. So in Acts 4, we have Peter and John, and they have just healed a man. They've been thrown in jail for it. We have the early believers gathered kind of in hiding because it is such a dangerous time in Jerusalem right now for them. And if ever there were a time to be praying for safety, I would say it's now because there's only so many followers of Jesus at this moment. So if they all get killed, then what? Right? But these early believers, the apostles, they do not pray for safety Hear again what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats, so we know they're being threatened, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So I see two mentions of the word bold there and none of keeping safe. 
So if we're building our brave muscle, we're exercising our brave muscle, we're praying dangerous prayers like, use me, the next thing we need to do is challenge our brave muscle. So we're all going to encounter lion's den circumstances in our lives at one point or another, right? Probably not a literal lion's den unless you live like really close to lion country safari, but they always seem really sleepy, so I wouldn't be too scared. But we're all going to be in these lion's den moments at one time or another. It may be a job loss. It may be a health scare. It may be a family fight. It may be an addiction struggle. Any one of these things that lead us into a place that is scary, where we feel like we're over our head and we can't do anything, that would be a lion's den. And we know those times will come because Jesus told us so. In John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you, ha- you may have peace. And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not that you might. It's not that you could. He tells us we will. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, I've heard it said that if you're not in a season of struggle or suffering, that you've probably just left one or you are probably heading into one. So we know this is part of our lives and doing the things that build and exercise our brave muscle enable us to have just be in these circumstances in a way that's God honoring. But that's not exactly what I want us to think about today. Today I wanna think about challenging our brave muscle deliberately, about choosing to step into places that look scary or dark or that you're not sure about or that you don't feel like you can do on your own. In my family, like I said, um, we have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and Zach and I have started to feel like we're kind of entering like this nice, easier, if I can say that, phase of parenting. You know, they sleep for the most part. They get along, usually. We don't have diapers. We don't have bottles. We only have one daycare bill left. (laughs) So things are feeling easier, more comfortable. I can like read books for fun now. I have a little downtime and space. But as our family's been evolving this way, we've also been walking with friends who are fostering. And throughout that, we've kind of just been doing, like we said earlier, the next right thing. So I think it started, we gave a high chair away to someone we didn't need it anymore. And then we offered to um, give a gift card to help with some Christmas gifts. And kind of as just our ministry developed, we were bringing meals and, you know, helping babysit and that kind of thing. We were just helping out and doing again the next right thing. And as we took those steps, now we found ourselves here at the edge of a lion's den. And we feel like God is asking us to step in and to become a licensed foster family ourselves. And y'all, this is scary. Because I like things just so. I like things safe. I like knowing what's coming, who's going, and I like to have a list for everything. But here, this is unknown. I can't control it. There's brokenness. There's disappointment. There's failure. It looks dark and it looks scary. It's much safer back here. And no one would fault us if we stepped back, right? That's not anything that would be looked down upon. And no one's going to push me in. Even God isn't going to push us in here. This is a spot that we have to choose to take a step in. So I kind of feel like we're doing this right now. We took our second licensing class yesterday, so we have one left, and then we have the whole home study process. And 
This still looks scary, but I know that here in this darkness, in those places where I know I can't do it, that is where God shows up. And that is where he shows his glory and his power. And not only in my life, but throughout different lives, throughout communities. So there's something now that may be coming to your mind. And it may not be fostering. But what is it that, you know, you've kind of felt this little thing. What is it that God is asking you to say yes to? And what is just that next right thing that might take you closer to that edge? You know, I want you to think about when God saved Daniel from the lion's den. Because he didn't save him from entering the lion's den, right? He could have. He could have repealed that law. He could have made all the lions disappear. You know, he could have done any number of things to keep him from entering. But God did not save Daniel from entering the lion's den. Daniel had to enter that dark, scary place in order for God's power to be revealed in the way that it was. And we need to be willing to do the same thing. I think... Um, that it is often, especially as American Christians, it is easy for us to stay safe, right? It's easy to come to this place. It's easy to just be filled with the love of God and love our neighbors and our friends. And that is all amazing. God wants us to do that. But he also wants to make us brave so that he can call us into deeper places, into places where he is with people and situations that are broken and that are hurting. And he wants us to be brave and take that step in so that his name and his glory can ultimately be displayed. I want you to see what happened because Daniel stepped in. In verses 26 and 27, this is after Daniel has been rescued. King Darius, so he's the Persian king. He is not an Israelite. He does not know Daniel's God other than what he's seen of Daniel. This is what King Darius says. He says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. If Daniel hadn't stepped into that lion's den, King Darius would never have seen God's power in this way. And King Darius, he wasn't like the king of Luxachi Groves. He was the king of the Persian Empire, so God's power was now spoken throughout the Persian Empire because of one man's bravery. And think what could happen if we all stepped in. What would happen in our community, in our state, in our world, if we were all brave as God wants to make us? Um, I have a prayer on, up on my desk and at work. It's a prayer by Sir Francis Drake, and I just love this challenge. It says this. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. 
Disturb us, O Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the water of life. When having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of heaven to grow dim. Disturb us, O Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture into wider seas where storms will show your mastery. Where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. In the name of him who pushed back the horizons of our hopes and invited the brave to follow. So in Kids of Hope every week, after we have our, kind of our Bible teaching time, um, we always have a reflection time. And we want our kids to know that we can ask God questions and that he will speak to them and that they can listen for his voice. So today I'm going to invite you to do the same. I want you to think about this question, about where does God want to make me brave? And I want you to just take a couple quiet moments to think about that. You can come up here if you need prayer, if you want to, um, and then we'll close out. So where does God want to make me brave? So we have some family discussion questions for you to take as you exit, and we just really want you to continue this conversation as you leave these doors. But now would you receive this benediction? May God make you brave this week in your homes, in your neighborhoods, and in your workplaces. And may your bravery make a way for his glory to be known in this world. We'll see you next week.